The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, politics, snakes, and some lovely rambling personal stories. Friday, the 7th of May, 2021. The Autumn Series continues uh, with a delightfully chaotic conversation with cartoonist and artist, Tasmania's own, John Kadelka. Uh, we talk about Prime Minister Scott Morrison's handling of the COVID border controls. John Howard would have been mortified to have lose, lose any member, current, past or future of the Australian cricket zone. Jesus. Uh, we mentioned Defence Minister Peter Dutton. Honestly, love drawing his head. Love it. Love it. He's, 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 got a, he's got a head only a cartoonist could love. And John reveals some important life lessons on matters ranging from meat to science to personal safety. Yes, so I've, I've done many stupid things, but nothing much stupider than that. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. This is the 9pm Snakes, Stakes and Mistakes with John Kadelka. John Kadelka, welcome uh, to The Edict. Thank you for your time. Uh, look, thanks for having me. This is going to be very exciting. Uh, well, I hope so. We'll, we'll see how it goes. How, I should ask, how are you doing in 2021 compared to 2020? Because obviously everything's perfect this year. I'm having a lovely time. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm still in Tasmania. I haven't left Tasmania for uh, at least 100 years. I've forgotten what <laughs> happens on Pass Strait. Is, is, well, there even, is there even a North Island anymore? Who knows? Um, look, there is, and it's still run by a bloke called um, Scott Morrison, allegedly. I mean, using the word run by um, fairly loosely. <laughs> What do you reckon about him these days? I mean, his polling, his his uh, the essential polling. This is from last week. I mean, his do you approve or disapprove? His approval ratings down from like highs of when it was up to sixty six percent at you know in August. It's down to fifty four. Yeah, look at and this. and half like most of that. Uh, I mean, blokes still think he's fine, but but women don't. Yeah, look, there's a lot of blokes about who seem to set a very 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 low bar. And yeah. I'm all for that, actually, in my self-assessments, but I think the bar has been set. It's like actually digging yeah, but a you're trench. not the Prime Minister, right? Yeah, I know. They've, they've dug a trench for the bar. They've dug down. they put the bar well underground there. I mean, the only chance he's got mm-hmm. is actually tripping over the trench. It's just, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. People seem to not mind. I'm out of touch. I'm out of touch. Like I said, I haven't left Tasmania for 100 years. Yeah, I know, but we have the media, remember? You're part of that. Oh, the mainstream media. I'm part of the, the mainstream. Oh, is 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 the Saturday paper the MSM though? Well, I, still I mean, the Mercury is the Mercury yeah, is. You yeah, do I'm, cartoons for the Mercury as well. Yeah, I've still got a small brain chip, um, you know, for the Mercury work. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing my bit to you know keep everything going badly. Oh, uh, good. Um, well, look, while we're talking about Scott Morrison, um, as we record this on uh, Tuesday the fourth, uh, his decision. Uh, to talk up the idea of uh, potential fines and jail terms for people returning uh, from India has 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 really not gone down well. The Prime Minister has been accused of having blood on his hands for blocking Australians trapped in COVID-ravaged India from returning home. The stunning takedown from cricketing great Michael Slater comes as Scott Morrison defended the government's controversial ban, denying claims the decision is racist. <laughs> we'll come to that, but... I, um, Michael Slater said, and I quote, I mean, it was on Twitter, so therefore um, real and correct in, mm-hmm. in every way. 
If our government cared for the safety of Aussies, they would allow us to get home. It's a disgrace. Blood on your hands, PM. How dare you treat us like this? How about you sort out quarantine system? I had government permission to work on uh, the IPL, whatever that is, something Some sort cricket, of cricket type maybe. thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I now have government neglect. And he, he, he went on in another tweet to say, no, he's not having a, a whinge about not getting paid for the, the cricket. He said that's a whole different thing. And um, essentially that's all fucked up anyway. So he's, he's just worried about that. You know, when you've lost Carl Stefanovic, have you, have you lost Australia? Oh, look, you've, you've lost Michael Slater. It's all over. If Michael Slater can take you out, um, goodness me. And John Howard would have been mortified to have lose any member, current, past or future of the Australian cricket zone. Jesus. I mean, someone did say on, on Twitter this afternoon, a conservative prime minister has lost a cricketer. I know. It's, you know how, how is this even Not on possible? John Howard's watch. Not while John Howard's alive. John Howard has, John Howard has dug himself. Yeah, John Howard has dug himself a grave and has been turning in it just when the, because that's happened. That's he's, <laughs> he's lying in a grave, turning and turning. Yeah. And John Howard was one of Scott Morrison's mentors, wasn't he? Yeah, I know. He's taught him everything he knows. Um Scott hasn't listened. Can't clearly. have taken long. No, he, didn't. <laughs> he was up the back licking the agar plates or something, as I said yeah. earlier on today in Twitter. And uh, yeah, he just—it it seems like it seems like Scott saw how John Howard did it and sort of took the bluff and blust a bit and sort of uh, you know heard the bit about saying latte sipping in wine bars, and that was about yeah. it. That was that's pretty much his whole shtick. Yeah, but and, it's uh, all under Tempranillo and and you know single origin now. <laughs> Pretty much, I think times have we've moved on. We've moved yeah, on. even and in Tasmania. <laughs> well, I'm told. well I, I'm not, I don't even know about it, even in Tasmania, especially in Tasmania. Look, you've got you know, your gins, you've got your whiskies. Um, look, we've always had hard liquor down here, but it's actually these days it doesn't turn you blind, which is nice. I, I, I know it's bloody good. Um, we we might come back to that, but again, again, then again, we might not. Look, I I do want to play. This is this is about a minute's worth. This is uh, Scott Morrison on on the Today Show uh, earlier today, uh, winding back, <laughs> doing a very big reverse ferret on on the sixty thousand dollar fine for coming back from India. And the PM joins us now from Rockhampton. PM, good morning to you. Do you have blood on your hands? Wake up. No, it's obviously absurd. And what we're doing here is we've got a temporary pause in place because we've seen a rapid escalation in the infection rate of people who have travelled out of India. It's not getting any better in India. In fact, it's, it's mm. getting worse. Um, and jailing and fining returning Aussies, um, I mean, as a sitting Prime Minister, it's incredibly heartless. Well, Carl... Um, as I've said, I think the likelihood of anything like that occurring is pretty much zero. Um, this is a measure which ensures that we can keep Australia safe at this time and we can get more Australians back safely. I mean, frankly, if um, we'd not put these measures in place and we saw the rates of increase of the virus coming through in these flights, putting stress on our quarantine system, breaking out across the country and seeing a third wave, then equally you would have told me, pretty bluntly I suspect, that uh, I'd failed Australia. What I love about that clip is he's, he's beaming in live from Beef Australia in Rockhampton. 
and there's this constant sound of cows in the in the background, which as someone pointed out today, when you're delivering a message about India uh, coming from a background where cows are being slaughtered is not necessarily the the least racist thing you could perhaps do. Yeah, well, it's probably you know, he's not necess- he's in, a, in an area where the, the bullshit is not entirely concentrated around him, which is sort of nice. <laughs> what do you make of how Morrison is handling this whole thing at the moment? Uh, look, I, and feel feel free to use strong language if that's the only way to capture. Oh, no, look, I, I just I genuinely, my, my feeling is that quite a lot of Scott and his government were, have clearly been bullied in high school. I mean, they... This, this, the whole reason for them to get into power seems to be so they can turn the tables on everyone and bully them. I mean, it's just that whole, the whole kind of we're going to put you in jail and find the sixty thousand dollars is, it's just basically Scott waving his dick around. I mean, it's quite obviously the case. And, and that's a, that's an image that you know we could all just pause and savor for a moment. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I apologise unreservedly for that, but it's it, it they he just. They love to turn up to eleven. I mean, Scott loves to turn up to eleven, and then he mm-hmm. just then there's this awkward silence when the, the music stops, and you know then sort of everyone's sort of looking at each other, wondering what just happened. There is a a kind of lack of nuance, isn't it? It's it's either all out there, the worst things we're saving Australia, or like it's nothing. No, you know it wasn't there. I wasn't there. No one was there. No one told me what was going on. <laughs> I'm not holding this hose. It's like it's just everyone's just like. Like, steady on, yes, we, we didn't mean that thing, which we just didn't. We just happened to have this big stick, which we're not going to use. Don't worry, trust me. And no one should. Now, admittedly, it wasn't Scott Morrison who came out waving waving the big dick on the weekend. It was Greg Rhymes with the health minister, uh, <laughs> who decided, you know, for the first time in ages, he's actually going to point to these. Now, now, Scott Morrison is right in the sense that the Biosecurity Act, like, does specify those penalties should you break an order under the Biosecurity Act? Okay, fair enough. Why why suddenly mention them now? And he can't say, well, well, Greg Hunt mentioned it, which is he did. He did, yeah, he did. sort of wind back. I didn't do a press conference, but <laughs> Greg Hunt did, and he did it. I mean, is that? I was about to say, is that just because Greg Hunt is a goose? I think I've answered my own question. <laughs> uh, look, I don't know. I just it just. It's sort of it is. It's just there seems to be no consequences for saying things anymore. You know, the, the whole theme. I mean, I did think the Labor Party were kind of overcooking that whole kind of he announces things and then nothing happens mm. early on. But it's almost it's almost like uh, Scott's heard that and thought actually that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep <laughs> doubling down. I mean, that was spot on. He's the bloke just the bloke just says it, and you can almost guarantee it's not going to occur. You know, he's, he's sort of. <sighs> He just nothing. The rabbit never comes out of the hat. There is a rabbit in there. I mean, he keeps telling us there's a oh, rabbit in there. I've heard. I've heard there's, there's a rabbit. There's a rabbit down in there. <laughs> um, on on Twitter today, my mate uh, John Avocado uh, did did sort of start going off a bit about. Now he he is another. Yeah, forget it. He's another white man with an opinion. You know, which is pretty much the basis of this podcast half the time. Um, there seems to be this fear, though, that the, the quarantine system isn't up to scratch, and yet it's kind of worked. We've had these numbers coming out. There's no community transmission apart from, you know, really tiny little occasions. We, we 
kind of seem to go off when there's one or two cases outside the, the quarantine hotels or whatever. And, oh, my God, oh, my God, end of the world. Uh, apparently, Queensland is now hunting down a Pakistani national uh, because somehow he's he's breached uh, whatever rules about hotel quarantine. And I'm thinking, you know, nine were pushing this as a major, you know, border security thing. And it, what, 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 one bloke. Yeah. One bloke is is suddenly a, a major thing. And yet, here we are. We're still going about our business. Tasmania has been very lucky, of course, but then everywhere else in Australia right now, we're just going about our business. Are we Are we a nation of sooks and panic merchants? Oh, look, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been really enjoying not having the virus running rampant through the community and having, you know, funeral pyres in the street and various other things. So... I don't know. I mean, you can you can ask. Uh, so I've just put down against. Hang on, I'm right. Yeah. down against funeral pyres in the street. I'm, I'm very strongly against mass graves. You're right. You can put me down for that one. You can even quote me on it. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Um, but it is. We we do seem to have this strange attitude to it, and people get worked up over all manner of things. Um, as we're recording this, I noticed the Therapeutic Goods Administration has been just started talking about the uh, flu vaccination being available. Uh, and the, the main one was they're saying, hey, if you're going to have both the COVID vax and the flu vax, which you should, leave 14 days between them because otherwise they'll interfere with each other. And my doctor told me that a couple of weeks back. Yeah. You know, he said, just, just do this. But they did mention that there's seven different varieties of the flu vaccine this year, which is pretty much the same as every other year. Are we now going to get into huge arguments about which flu vaccine will accept or reject <laughs> based on Facebook posts? Because we're all now immunologists and virologists and experts in these things. Yeah, well, it's like it's like Tasmania with this whiskey. All of a sudden, we you know we we've got our fa- our, our favourite brand. So yeah, I'll be I'll be having the Sullivan's Cove uh, flu vax, please. Um, <laughs> No, but I did hear that it's a single malt. Single unpeated. Thanks very much. I, you know, it, uh, but as you were saying, yeah, I, I, I honestly think we um, it's going to be a bad a bad year this year or next year for the flu because we you know we're all very non fluy last year. So uh, yeah, I'd be hopping into that as soon as possible if I were you and not asking any questions about what they're sticking into you. And, and I think just socially, um, after having been cautious for so long. We'll just want to get out there and put it about a bit. Oh yeah, by which I mean just having a perfectly normal social life and not anything grubby. Licking doorknobs and orbs, such. Licking doorknobs, licking agar plates <laughs> at the back of the classroom. <laughs> That's right. That sort of thing. I mean, are we are we too tough on doorknob lickers? Oh look, there's an argument to say that actually that does give them a full set. It's sort of like your bespoke artisanal vaccination in its own self, I guess. <laughs> I'm personally not for it. <laughs> See, you can you can put me down for that one too. Doesn't like licking doorknobs personally. Won't do it. Excellent. Uh, uh, and and finally, because I I, I mean I kind of one can get over talking about the Rona and Scott Morrison, but yeah. I did enjoy Peter Harcher in the Sydney Morning Herald on Tuesday. Quote, the Morrison government is not racist, but this is the sort of conduct you'd see from a racist regime. He, he does seem to be sidling up to the up to it, doesn't he? He's not, not quite willing to go there, but by crikey. He's a millimetre behind the line I, there. Uh, I mean, I, I know it quacks, <laughs> and, and it does have feathers. 
So it, it, it exhibits the kind of behaviour that a duck might have. <laughs> yeah, Michael Looney would possibly go, yeah, that's a duck. I wouldn't know I'm not Michael Looney. Um, oh, no, I, 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 I thought we might not talk about Michael Learning. <laughs> I thought, as soon as I said ducks, I thought... Oh, yeah, I knew, I knew you were going there. I thought I'd get there first. No, I, I was actually going to be really good and not <laughs> do the duck connection. Yeah, look, I, honestly, I think with the, the racism thing, though, the, the first step towards not being racist is admitting you're a racist. And I really think Australia's quite a long way from that first step still. So, um, yeah, you know, like Peter Hart, he, he summed it up for, for the nation. He said... Yeah, sure, all these things are things that racists might do, but there's no way we could possibly actually be racist. There must be some other explanation. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he's right. And on that point, just before we we do take a quick break, there is a video that's been doing the rounds this week uh, from a TikTok user with the wonderful handle Jolly Good Ginger with underscores between the words because he's a ginger and he has a very, very neatly trimmed beard. Uh, I picked it up from a retweet of a retweet, but it was called Watch as a White Man Explains Why White People Cannot Experience Racism. (laughs) Can white people experience racism in America? First, let's understand the word racism. It ends with ism, much like capitalism, the same ism. Communism, the same ism. Socialism, the same ism. So what does that ism mean? Ism means a system put in place by those in power centered around a specific set of ideas. For example, capitalism, a system put in place by those in power centered around capitalist ideas. Communism is a system put in place by those in power centered around communist ideas. Socialism is a system put in place by those in power centered around socialist ideas. So what is racism? It's a system put in place by those in power centered around racist ideas. So then, can white people experience racism? What you're saying is when somebody says to you, cracker, honky, I don't trust white people, colonizer, white devil, that you're experiencing racism. Well, you're not, let me explain. What you're experiencing is called prejudice. Prejudice is when someone has an idea about you based purely on the way you look. The reason that's not racism is this. The black community is incarcerated at a rate three times higher than white people for the same crime. Are shot by the police at a rate three times higher than white people. A traditional black name on a resume will receive a callback five times less commonly than a traditional white name. White people are not victims of racial profiling, redlining, gentrification. You see, the system targeting marginalized communities is racism. So even though a white person may experience prejudice, they'll never have to worry about being targeted by the entire system. And that's what racism is. And racism is much worse than prejudice. I hope that clears it up. There you go, middle-aged white blokes solving racism. Again, why is there even racism anymore? We've solved it. Uh, Let me just tell you about the episodes coming up in this, the Autumn Series 2021 of the 9pm Edict, because we have locked in some talent, and indeed, I do mean talent. Next episode, which you should hear on about the 18th of May, will be with friend of the pod, author John Birmingham. Uh, That'll be coming up after Budget Week, which is Budget Week this coming week. 
a federal budget in Australia. So obviously we, we, we may talk about that. We may talk about other things. So that's JB next. Uh, Then coming up at the end of May, probably the 29th, is cartoonist Kathy Wilcox uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Then on the 11th of June, satirist Mark Humphreys, again another friend of the pod. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with Mark again because he completely derailed the conversation last time. Uh, And on a date to be decided... Uh, because there's some special space archaeology news coming up. Space archaeologist, Dr Space Junk, a.k.a. Dr Alice Gorman. Uh, That'll be at some point in June. Uh, So lots of fun to look uh, forward to there. And uh, I may throw in something a bit special just with myself or whatever. I don't know. Could be an interesting couple of months. Anyway, uh, thank you to everyone uh, who's been a, a generous listener and made this possible. Uh, this episode, I want to say thanks to Keith Duddy, a bit of a regular contributor, uh, who's complained about some of the spamminess of some of the, the platforms like Possible and Patreon and things. I don't use Patreon, I use Possible, but yeah, they do get a bit like that. I'll, I'll look at ways of getting around that. Uh, and, of course, uh, thank you to all the people who've contributed to this, uh, the 9pm Autumn series. You're all listed on the website. We will hear from you, uh, of course, with your trigger words and conversation topics. When you send them in, and I can draw them from the uh, the jar of transparency. Uh, and, of course, thank you uh, to those who contributed to the More Autumn Series 2021. Your names uh, start appearing on the website from the next episode because they're the ones that you made possible. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, or even if you don't, tell your friends Building the audience is, is what we need to do at the moment. Uh, but if you would like to uh, contribute in a uh, financial sense, go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip. That's the 9pmedict.com slash tip. Throw a couple of bucks uh, into, into the jar uh, there. That would be nice. You could even take out a subscription and get your own trigger words or even a conversation topic. And... This is a really good time to contribute because, A, uh, income's been down a bit uh, last couple of months. I think I may have mentioned that before. So this is a good time to contribute. And also, it's my birthday coming up on the weekend. Uh, so I'm really looking forward uh, to turning 40. Uh, that's that's going to be quite amazing. Uh, the 9pmedict.com slash tip. Well, now, John Kadelka, we are going to do some trigger words, uh, as as I mentioned during the break. Trigger words are, I have here, the jar of transparency. <laughs> this, is has, it's a, this is turning into a hey, hey, it's Saturday, isn't it? Somehow this, is, this feels like a hey, hey, it's Saturday prop. Sorry. Uh, well, that's why, that's why I'm in blackface, mate. <laughs> <That's>, and, <laughs> suit you, suit you, sir. <laughs> oh, no. Just got you cancelled. Sorry. I've actually uh, met Kamal uh, a couple of times, uh, once professionally, once or, once or twice. Uh, when I was doing technical things, the shopping centre at St Ives, which is where he lives, uh, I was actually doing their technical work and networking and things uh, and, and ran into him a couple of times as he was out doing his shopping. And you should see all the ladies of a certain age going up to him, wanting to get autographs and things. If you, I mean, if you look back at his... His history in the, the the early part of the 60s and through the 60s before Hey Hey, he was 
pretty damn important. He's a and, fine-looking figure of a man too. Still, I might oh, add. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and back then, you know, a little yeah. bit uh, of exoticism about it. Very, very appealing for, <laughs> right. for for the ladies there. And uh, I found out recently it was actually Rupert Murdoch who kicked his career off. Rupert well. saw him doing a corporate gig and then went, "Wow, this guy's really good." So arranged for him to be booked in to do shows. And see, while I'm doing that, I was ducking the the jar of transparency uh-huh. um, below the camera line. So, uh-huh. so I back up. See, see, it's exactly <laughs> as you saw before. Nothing has been altered. Come on, so how this works? Yeah, how, <laughs> how this works? Yeah, you tell me. Talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Supporters of the pod can buy trigger words, uh, and they go into the jar. So I'm drawing them out, and we see what this will trigger. So from Adam Baxter, long-time supporter of the pod, thank you, Adam, the word delivery. What does that trigger? Well, we've just been talking about Scott, haven't we? Mm. Oh, I, just, I, feel like, I feel like Scott's like, you know, Scott's like one of those uh, online things where things just don't turn up. You just go, I'll buy that, and you get the confirmation email, and then Australia yeah. Post sends you a little text saying it's there. And you just go, no, it's not. And mm. it's, it's it's all very sad. What I don't get is, I mean, we do have a public service, and, and, and yes, the public service has been cut back over recent decades. Brackets. I, I know this because, oh, God, many years ago, 40 years ago-ish, uh, fuck it is too, 40 years ago this year, my first full-time proper job was in the public service. All those junior clerk positions, uh, that were your standard first job out of uni thing, which don't exist anymore because adding adding up columns of numbers and compiling reports is a thing that, like, the computer just does now. Uh, But back in the day, you'd you'd be there with a calculator and you'd be be doing that. The human touch. Uh, it, it, it is, but there was this sense of serving the public, dare I say. I know I know this is a, a radical thing, but yes, yes, delivery. The idea that what – I'm taking over here. This is your job, mate. But, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I will, I will just say at least the idea was that if the government said, as in the politician said, here is $2 billion to go to help people who've lost their homes in the bushfires on the south coast of New South Wales – then the public service would just go out and do it. Yeah. Like, it would be a thing. I mean, I even I th- I did think back then, oh, that's sorted, fair enough, you know, good. It'll get yeah. done. But yeah. there's processes now, apparently, which have to be have to happen before the process can happen, I think. I mean, I, I, which is fair because you, you do want it to happen, but there does seem to be a thing now where – the government assumes that the citizens are criminals trying to rip them off. Not unreasonable, actually. <laughs> I mean, if, if, that was, if that was mutual, then we'd probably be in a slightly better position, to be honest. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm just trying to work out how we defamed anyone, but no, no, no. no we haven't mentioned fine. anyone specific. No, no, no. It's no. all part of the robust nature of the Australian political debate. Just starting a conversation. Uh, have you ever been done for defo? No, no. 
I don't. I don't. Because all your stuff's legal, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> people, people have they've said, "Oh, we shouldn't do that," and I've just gone, "Yes, okay." I'm not a lawyer, yeah. and you've got a lawyer who does that sort of thing, and it all what they say seems reasonable. Yeah. So I go, "Okay, I'll do something else." I've usually got I, I at was, least two ideas. Oh, when, when I was at the ABC uh, back in back in that aforementioned 1980s, uh, we did have uh, uh, one of the lawyers come over from Sydney to Adelaide where we were, and just mentioned. Uh, uh, you're underspending your legal budget, by the way. If you want to, if you want to run things a little closer to the wire, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> well, we've got we've got like ten million bucks in the defo account. Go hard. That's nice. right. That's it. You haven't, but you haven't spent. Christ. Nobody's ever told me that. Now, that would be something I'd like to hear. <laughs> uh, look, it may not be a thing anymore, but. It should be a thing. I think that that sounds well. There should be just like a day of the year where cartoons are allowed to defame whoever they like. Just one day. Yeah. It- Ah, sort of like a uh, what's that one? The Fool's Day. Yeah, well, they just murder yeah. every, each other. I mean, it'd be better than murdering people. We just, def- you know, they had that the day they had that movie the, in America. The Middle Ages. Oh, okay. I was thinking more the Middle Ages tradition of where you, you know, elect some peasant king for the day and they make all sorts of silly proclamations. Oh, that would also to, be good. I to demonstrate that the you know the royals really are approachable before they go back the next day and yeah, chop his head off. this peasant. Yeah, look, I'd be willing to wear a silly hat if, if I was allowed to get away with things, yes. Do you live in the city or slightly out of the city? Oh, I look, nobody lives in the city, in, even in Hobart. Hobart's not really a city. I mean, you know, it's a What's small... 100,000 people? 200? Oh, 200 maybe? No, it could be. 200? Yeah, 200. Yeah. I'd, I'd like yeah. to say 200. It's a small country town. You, we'll bump into people you know. So, you know, mm. be careful with the cartoon, essentially. Oh, and and the underground bus terminal thing—that's still not happened. Oh, I'm sure, maybe it has. I know where it's meant to be. It's the Cat and Fiddle Arcade, isn't it? Oh, somewhere it's meant to be look, under that. No, under the under the Elizabeth Street Mall. But look, honestly, it could be there. Like, there's only one bus a day in Hobart, and like maybe <laughs> nobody's just got around to catching it yet. Who knows? Our public one trans- bus a day and the Mona Ferry. Yeah, pretty much. That's, if you want to, if you want to, like, ever ever ride in the government, you you catch that bus or you catch the ferry if you want to. You know, you go on Walkie's time. Oh, Telisco, you got going there. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yes, the great, the great <laughs> secret. Telisco, ten year old. Nice. Uh, that's my kind of knockoff drink. Where's my jigger? <laughs> that, I mean, there's a sentence you don't hear every day. <laughs> Fuck it. I will just pour it. Yeah, fair play. You measure it in fingers, just like yeah, your uncle Roger and and. Doing your rice cooker, and you have quite slender fingers, so you go at least four there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a bloke told me that once. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should have. Been. Uh, thank you, Adam Baxter, for the word delivery. Uh, Thanks, Adam. We'll, I don't we'll think do... we did justice to that at all. No, no, but that's all right. He, he, yeah. we didn't he's, deliver. He's a good mate and a long time supporter. We'll do that. Uh, we'll we'll do one more from the jar, and there's another one that was. Uh, uh, written specifically for you. Oh, God, it's going to be dark, isn't uh, it? No, it's not dark. <laughs> okay. From John Lindsay, Big JSL. That guy. The word schadenfreude. Oh, I like that. That's, it's a fabulous word. That's, that's just my life. That's my job. That's my profession. It's my art. It is. Yes. No, is it a sin? I asked, I asked Father Carl. Uh, on the pod a few months back, where the Schadenfreude is a sin, yeah, uh, and his summary was essentially, 
Yes, it is a sin, but it is all too human and unavoidable. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> well played. Yeah. That's the sort of religion I, I can get behind, to be honest. Oh, look, you, you, you would get on <laughs> fine with him. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, no, look, I don't, I don't necessarily care if it's a sin or not. It's just too good. I just think that if you can't, you know, if done properly, like anything else, Schadenfreude is a useful and enjoyable pastime. What's something in the Schadenfreude realm that you have in particularly enjoyed lately? Oh, God. It's, it, that's the thing is at the moment it's just this constant torrent of it, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, mm. Goodness me. No, look, I can't pick anything. Can you, have you got, you got one? You can... well, I, I was going to think about it in the context of the, the election, which we will be talking about uh, in the next segment. Uh, who, who's that bloke whose name is not Terry, who seems to oh. sort of have problems with Tinder? So he's a he's a an MP. He yeah. is an MP or is a candidate? He's, he's, so, he was he's a M- candidate that's likely to become an MP. He has previously been an MP, left under left under a bit of a cloud, and he's back again. And his name is Terry. Is not his name. Oh, Terry look. is his his pseudonym. <laughs> Do we be. care who he is? Uh look, he's just some chap. Um, and well, who knows who he is or what he is or who. Nobody knows. That's the point. He's like he is the enigma wrapped in a wrapped probably probably wrapped, wrapped in some sort wrapped of in a falafel wrapped, just, in a, <laughs> wrapped in wrapped in naan bread and deep fried for sure. Yeah. It um it's certainly cooked. Yes, absolutely. Well played. Yeah, you got there. Um, look, that it's when he gets in and he's a member of parliament and he's he's Peter Gutwin's you know, casting vote, then yes, there's going to be Schadenfreude aplenty, I would say. Uh, Difficult sort of fella yeah. to have when your numbers are tight, and the numbers are always tight these days. For reasons that I'm not entirely sure, uh, the name Peter Dutton just came in into my head. <laughs> um, are you a fan? <laughs> uh, look, honestly, love drawing his head. Love it. Love it. He's, yeah. He's, he's got a he's got a head only a cartoonist could love, and well, that's true. Um, I I must admit, uh, and, and sorry, I'm going to praise uh, the wonderful Dave Pope in Canberra here. He's a good bloke. Uh, well, so I understand. Yeah, everybody yeah, 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 yeah. likes Dave. Dave's yeah, Dave's, yeah, yeah. Dave's the except Dave Pope and Kathy Wilcox are the exceptions that prove the rule that cartoonists are horrible people. Well, I can say that Kathy Wilcox will be a guest on this pod uh, at the end of uh, at the end of May. Good. I think that you'll you'll have a lovely chat, and you'll be a better person for it. Uh, well, look, I will. She's been on the pod before when we had the public house forum episodes. She was one of the people on a panel. Oh. Uh, I know Mark Humphreys was on that episode, and uh, it, it, it's three years ago. It doesn't really matter, but yeah, yes, she's together. she's yeah. wonderful. No, no, um, uh, yeah, Dave. Dave did a thing. He, what do you do? He drew. He draws. Ah, uh, well, a good he he has Dutton as the all-seeing potato, as as Dutton's potato head, but with all the little stalks like a coronavirus, but their eyes. That's right. So it's the all-seeing virus surveillance thing, and that's that was inspired. Yeah, he's done well there. He's um he does he does come up. He's an outstanding draftsman as well, which is um trust person. Yes. And so yeah, everyone hates him. Well, yeah, yeah, cuz I mean I mean uh, yours is a very different style and we should be talking about yours, but it, like more about not, me. People. Yeah, more <laughs> more about you. Thank you. Uh 
Well, well, yes. Um, people can find you uh, in the Saturday paper every Saturday. Every Saturday. Uh, they can find you in the, the Mercury in yep. Hobart. In Twice a week. Twice a week? Yeah. Oh, damn the expense. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, of course, you're concentrating a lot more on your art these days. My art, yes. Yeah, look, honestly, that I always wanted to be an artist and the cartooning just paid yeah. the bills. Yeah. Did, did you do that formally as an art thing? No. Are you an art graduate? Christ, no, no, I'm a... I've got a Bachelor of Science, like everyone else. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, the, the cartooning was a, just a, a sideline to pay for the beer and housing and food when I was at university, and it sort of took over a bit. Back back in the days where it could pay a... You know? <laughs> yeah, well, we live in Tasmania on nothing, basically, back then. It was incredible. The 90s were just, a different yeah. a different country. Well, I've even thinking back to the around the 70s, when, when <laughs> I was at uni... Um, we had like a three-bedroom um, bluestone fucking house in in North Adelaide, which is you know upper middle class central. <laughs> Three students on our study could could live quite happily. Well, you know, happily. Happily enough, that. yeah, yeah. I know you've got a little bit of um, sort of genteel sort of um, austerity, but. You know, nothing, nothing too painful. You don't miss a meal too either, which is uh, well. That's that's right. You know, you 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 you're, you're having ordinary beers and you know van ordinaire and other <laughs> such things. Yeah, no, I did, you I, know, and yeah. and the cheaper cuts of beef or whatever. But you're not starving. No, you had a social life. Yeah, well, the whole lot. Yeah, I like I was you know I was doing quite well on a on a freelance cartoonist salary back in the day because uh, you know you. The rent was virtually nothing, and you know, mm. <laughs> didn't eat that much. <laughs> okay, so so and and that became a gig. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's sort of. Um, they, science is terribly hard work. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, you know, this just I just thought at the end of three years, like, Jesus, it's a lot of hard work, and I quite liked drawing cartoons and or and art. I was doing um, I was doing uh, sketching at uh, at um, Salamanca Market for ten bucks. Oh, a, yeah. ten bucks a throw. And uh, doing a fair bit of life drawing, I did that from sort of grade nine through, and uh, I was selling a few of those in exhibitions and things. I thought, oh, I might give this a crack. Hang and, on, uh, you're doing the, the the sketches? Is this like the caricatures of random punters as they go by? Oh, it's just, no, it's just straight ten bucks. Straight. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because my question was, is is that a scam? Do you have basically, you know, five standard? Heads that you just change the nose a no, little I'm, bit. Go I'm, there, there you go. That's you. Yeah, I did that back in the day when I didn't need the money and had to be a performing seal. <laughs> you do actually. It's about six. And you- okay, yeah. <laughs> and we used to, we call it we call it big head, small body car- cartooning, which is basically you just oh no, yeah, 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 big head, big smile, big eyes, tiny little body. You're done. And uh, you know you only got ten uh-huh. minutes. So if you can't if you can't sort that in ten minutes, then you're not going to make any money. So you're basically going to pick what I'm imagining. Three key things about that person: uh, bushy eyebrows, uh, their ears are a bit large. Yep, head shape. Um, yeah, yep. So, you know, if, yep. if they've got balding. a yeah, if they're, you know, if they're wearing glasses or they've got an eye patch or you know got some terrible facial blemish, it's usually a lot easier. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you can usually you can usually bluff something up when you get on getting on a roll. So yeah. Wow. <sighs> that that really does seem like piecework of the worst kind. I mean, that's that's like Uber, but without the structure. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. No, the the Salamanca market stuff was fun because it was just you know it was, it was Salamanca and it was sort of 
you know, you could sit there and you under the under the under the trees and the leaves were kind of falling and changing colours and do a little sketch when it wasn't raining. And it was lovely. I mean, it is a beautiful spot. It's yeah, it's I mean, like well, everything. Uh, like it's one of those classic uh, historical tourism precincts where, as you say, on the weekend it's the markets and out comes everyone flogging everything from, <laughs> uh, you know, actual photographs of the place to art in your case to I don't quite know why this T-shirt has this slogan on it, but it does say Hobart, <laughs> so I'll buy that for Aunt Jenny <laughs> when I go back. Yeah, I get um, yeah. Pot, pots I, I, of jam that are definitely authentic, and hue and hue and pine carved as fruit oh, for some reason. Yeah, no one knows why, but uh, yeah, the hue and pine apple is a is a staple of uh, the so so an apple carved out of hue and pine. Yeah, wood. I know people t- people like them. Who knows? But uh, the actual gallery I've got now actually was uh, a bloke called Peter Barraclough used to be in there, and uh, he was an artist, really talented, enormously talented painter, and I. Remember back in the day, about you know, you know, sort of early nineties, I said, oh, "I'm going to have that gallery one of these days." Now I do. <laughs> right, <laughs> that worked out. And do you enjoy that? I mean, that means you're there much of the day with interaction with like the general public. Yeah, look, honestly, I, I kind of make a joke about some of the funnier people who come in and mention Michael Looney, and but <laughs> I actually, I actually quite enjoy talking to people because cartoonists don't get out much at all. So, oh, yeah, okay. it's, no, it's lovely. We, I just go in there and, I, you know, it's all my gear is in one spot and I have to keep it tidy because, you know, it's a mm. shop and so – well, fairly tidy. And um, so I can actually find all my stuff so I can go and actually make things. I, it's, it's terrific because usually I just – if that wasn't the case, I'd just wander about, probably have a coffee and then think about doing something and then not be able to find my pen and then just give up. Oh, yes, the creativity does involve um, vast amounts of procrastination. Yeah, or just finding uh, your stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, that's at least something that a, a writer doesn't have to deal with, you know, but, but you do have a similar sort of thing where it's, I oh, look, I should write this, but I notice the magpies are gathering outside. I might just, <laughs> you know, go and feed them. You know, what have I got in the fridge for the magpies? They do look hungry. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, I, I really did mean to put the laundry on, so <laughs> I'll just yeah. get that going. Yeah. No, that's the you thing. you suffer yeah. from that or – Oh, hell you yeah. had newspaper deadlines. Oh, of course. No, that's the only that's, newspaper deadlines help though. That, yeah, they? look, that's like, basically the only reason, the only job I could possibly have done. Actually, when you think about it, is, is political cartoonists because there are deadlines. I just, if I had infinite time, I would take it. I would use it all. Nothing would ever happen. Like now, I've only got like three cartoons a week. I find myself spending absolute ages on it. Like you know, when I had like fifteen deadlines back in the day, I just. Bang them out because I had to. It was, you know, because if I didn't think of it soon, then it was going to be too late. So I just do it and draw it. But now I just sit there agonizing over it to the last, very last minute, which is hideous to watch for people. <laughs> you think the cartoons are better because of the, the, the time put into them because of that? No, or, I no, I don't think they are. I honestly don't. I, I think that <laughs> it's not yeah. your, your first idea is very rarely your best one, but your, your second or third almost certainly is. And once mm. you, you know, you can't overcook them. I mean, some people can, but I don't. My whole style is uh, it's meant to look and be like I just did it off the top of my head. Um, that's that's my thing. And uh, if I think about it too much, then uh, – You spend hours and hours making cartoons that look like you knocked them off because you only had 10 fucking minutes. Yeah, I know. It's really hard to do. So, uh, <laughs> um, like, it's funny. I, won, I had an editor once who said to me, he said, John, you're one of the few cartoonists I've ever met 
who is happiest when nobody gets the joke. And I mean, my thing was, I, <laughs> I, I do, I like to, I like to, I like to just make it as oblique as possible. It's true, but if I have too long, I make it so oblique, not even I get the joke anymore, and that's too far. So if I cut it off early, it's a happy medium where it's still within the realms of possibility that people will actually understand what I'm getting at. I've just had too much, too long to think about that too, and I've overcooked it. But that's the guts of it. <laughs> I think. Um, a mate of mine once worked out that the way to get me to decide because you get the same thing when you're writing it. So oh, I don't want to say this, so you want to do that, and you. You know, the time expands, so instead of actually writing the piece, you're spending two hours working on the joke in paragraph three that <laughs> you, you kind of kind of want to make, which is irrelevant. Yeah. And you no, I really should be phoning someone for comment or you know, do, yeah. doing this, but but I've got this idea of a joke. Uh, but when it comes down to making a decision, do I go this way or this way? Uh, because I'd worked in live broadcasting as a radio producer for so long, a mate of mine just sort of saw me stuck on this and he just used to come up and said, okay, which which way are you going to go? And five, four, three. <laughs> I said, oh, this way. All right, done. Thank you. You know, just, yeah. just pick one. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. No one, no one's going to die here, right? It's- <laughs> exactly. It's just, a, it's just a cartoon for Christ's sake. So I mean, some people will get it and some people will hate it. It's fine. It, um, yeah, I, I, um, it's, it's actually why I've taken And, in it. fact, if they hate it, that's great because you dominate the news cycle for the next that, three days. You, you do. If it's, got a, you know, if it's got a bit of a rough edge on it, it, it sends a, people tend to choke on it a bit when it goes down, and that's good. So, um, yeah, it's, um, over-polishing is a bad thing for me and overthinking is a bad thing. So I've actually been deliberately trying to just actually say, actually, no, that's quite good and catch it in the net and, and draw it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing when you've you, you've got this luxury of time. I've taken up printmaking in the last sort of six months or so, and I love it because it's uh, you're carving away at this block, and you know you can't go back, and it's it's magnificent. Mm. You just you've just got to start, and you've got this block, and then you've got to carve it, and you just cut, 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 and then you're done. And if you cut, if you don't stop, you'll just end up with the whole thing carved away, which is no good. So it, there's a certain thing that keeps. So I need something to keep me honest. Thank you, John Lindsay, big JSL, uh, <laughs> for the word schadenfreude. And the final one, look, I'll just knock in one more. Uh, Pete Lawler, who's from Hobart. Oh, that guy. Yeah. You may know him. Yeah, oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the word nointer is a word. It is. It's a very Tasmanian word, nointer. It means... What does it mean? It means naughty child. Oh, okay. Yeah. You go, you're a bit of a nointer. It, it's sort of like a bit of a rat bag, but in a good way, sort of. The, the linguist in me is now going, oh, I want to know all about where that word came from. I have no idea, actually. Um, uh, well, look, um, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and stick it in at the end of the pod. Yeah, get it sorted. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> get it sorted, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to hearing it. Well, yes, yes, fascinating stuff. Now, look, okay, look. Yeah, I was going to say, look, in Niger, it's in the same, there's another Tasmanianism, which is Raman. Which is, you know, you're a bit of a strange one. Rummin? How yeah. do you some a bit of a what? Sorry, you're a bit of a strange one. You're a bit rum. Your behaviour is a bit odd. I mean, there is a thing like a rum cove, but rum means, I thought in that sense, slightly dodgy and mysterious. Yeah, so yeah, dodgy and mysterious, and just a bit. Hmm. And so I used to say to the kids, "You're a bit of a noiter," and the kids would say, "No, I'm a rummin." <sighs> and I thought, "Yeah, fair enough." So there you go. There's a bit of Tasmanian. Absolutely impenetrable law um, conversation. That's that's when you come here. If you're not running away from a snake and you hear that, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
It's funny you should mention snakes. They come up shortly, uh, but it's (laughs) it's time for a change of subject. At the end of the night, it appears that the the Gutwin government has been re-elected. The only doubt remains whether it will quite reach the majority that was so determined to achieve at the election. If you look at the overall vote for the election, the Liberals have fallen just short of 49%. They're slightly down on last time. Liberals, Labor 28, Greens 12.6. The change in votes since the last election, Liberals down slightly. A bad result for the Labor Party, mainly due to a very poor result in the the Hobart-based seat of Clark. If we look at the Chamber, uh, at the end of the night, with ones and likelies, it's pretty certain the Liberals have a, they, they have 12 seats. Labor has nine, there are two Greens, and there's one other independent, Christy Johnson, looks like to be elected from the elected clerk. She's the mayor of Glenorchy, which is the northern part of Hobart. If the Liberals don't win an extra seat, which we think they will, then a second independent would be elected, an ex-Liberal. So whatever happens, the Liberal Party will be able to govern either with the two independents and they don't then have to rely on the Greens, which was a, a, an important point for them. Not much has actually changed at the election. So what was the point? <laughs> I mean, that's Anthony Green, obviously, um, yeah. who I last saw in person, oddly enough, uh, in Hobart at the ABC when I was there three years ago for the last election. <laughs> there I was talking about waiting to talk about something else on the ABC, minding my own business, having a cup of coffee, and Anthony Green just materialised next to me. That's what he does, actually. I don't think he actually it, it moves does. around. I think he just he teleports. Just quite. I used to live around the corner from him in Enmore in Sydney. So we've we yes, I've had many glasses of wine with Anthony Green. Oh, I see. Uh, where all this shit's in his head. Like he really, <laughs> he is absolutely like that in real life without his computer, except he says what he really thinks. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying thought. Absolutely. Um, yeah, what the hell happened on Saturday night? Tasmania, election, state election, nothing changed, said Anthony Green. Oh, well, did it. they shuffled the deck chairs a bit, you know. Um, Gutter's um, managed to have his election before all the bad news comes out shortly, I expect. There's a fair bit of bad news to come. What do you reckon? What's the bad news? Oh, well, he's, he's uh, got a... This is Peter Goodman, the uh, Liberal Premier who... Uh, stays as Liberal Premier yeah, after man, this election. Yeah, man, man with two tats. He's um, no, there's uh, the two uh, tats. Yeah, it's got a. Didn't you see the strategic tat um, reveal during the last week of the campaign? No, I'll put a link to that on the podcast website along with everything else yeah. as we usually do. Thank you. He rolled up his sleeve and uh, there was a Black Panther there for his uh, for his injection. So and then everyone get everyone was going, oh, hang on a minute. He, he rolled up that sleeve deliberately, but apparently there's a tat on the other arm as well. Right. So, Is that another? Well, it wouldn't be another panther. I don't know. It might be. It might be Peter Two Panthers Gutman. I don't know. It could be a poker machine. I think it's a poker machine. <laughs> well, we'll come. <laughs> that that was. Yes. Yeah, that's the bad news, of course. Uh, that's you know that there was a, a fair bit of donation. Uh, there were quite a lot of donations happening at uh, the last election, just the one before this one. That's what I learned when I was here. As I said, I was I was in Tasmania, not for the election, not to catch up with Anthony Green for coffee, lovely though that was, obviously. Mm. Uh, I I was uh, there for Goat Fest in Launceston, fabulous oh, it's, event. It's pretty much the only thing that ever happens around here. Uh, it's good. It's, uh, that, that's a good month, Goat Fest. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. A lot of fun. And yeah. 
did a pod from there. But I did learn about the importance of federal hotels and pokies to Tasmanian politics. So how would you sum that up? Well, I once had a I once had a, a conversation with a staffer, political staffer who will remain nameless, who said that um, they, you know, they, they have a lot of uh, people coming around from uh, lobbyists from from uh, guns back in the day, and uh, you know, from the, the fish people. And but the mm-hmm. only the only people who are actually scaring guns is the forest. Oh, gun, guns, yes, yeah, the, the forestry. Yeah. For those of it, I mean, we're getting on a bit, but yes, for the youngins, <laughs> guns is the forestry. Yeah, they 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 were the ones who used to bulldoze the place. But um, yeah, the only people yeah. actually frightening were the people when uh, people the people when they come up from federal. So um, obviously, yeah, there's a fair bit of there's a fair bit of uh, um, investment in Tasmania from federal, and uh, I imagine that if they, I mean, I, I would even just wandering around Hobart, the number of pubs that were tagged as being federal pubs, federal hotels group, and they are the ones with all the pokey licenses. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I know it? from talking to publicans elsewhere, <laughs> like here in New South Wales, oh, publicans have told me what a you know each pokey machine license is worth to them. And yeah, we see true. people closing down pubs in the inner west of Sydney, which, you know, is a place that's very fond of its pubs, but they will buy a pub and shut it down just so they can get the poker machine licences. <laughs> so it, in Tasmania, for a, for one group to dominate that, that's a lot of fucking money. Well, yeah, but they're, um, that's the thing is they're having it's, – it's going out to tender shortly. They're, uh, they're breaking up that, that monopoly. Oh right! But the the trade off is um uh, I'm sure I got this straight. The trade off is that uh, federal want to have a lower tax on their income from the pokies, and that number oh, oh, right just by a magical decree. That, yeah, that that number is has apparently has been <laughs> negotiated, but didn't come up during the election. Didn't mention it. Didn't mention it. So I, I suspect that's that's. <laughs> Probably going to be a it's few raised eyebrows. It's significant, I would have thought. It's, it's, yeah. Well, because basically we, we have a health system which is jiggered. I mean, it, it's basically, it's mm. pretty well known, but everyone's admitted it. And, you know, even the even the Liberal Party that's been here for, for seven years said they've got a, a plan to fix it, which is, you know, going to be sorted out in the first oh, 100 days. Their first 100 days, apparently. So not sure what they were doing for the last seven times 365 days, but never mind. Um so yeah, we we we're going to have to pay for things, and uh, I think that people are going to be a little bit cross if um if you know the we uh, lose our ability to pay for things because we given the pokey people a bit of a break. Could be wrong. Maybe people will be How happy. How do you about feel it. about that personally? Because we do have uh, in most states in Australia the the tax from gambling revenue is ginormous. Certainly the case here in New South Wales where. Uh, you know, one of the Packer lads has now been found not to be a fit and proper person to hold a casino licence, which uh, must cause problems in Victoria. In Victoria, same bloke, Crown Resorts, uh, that's the largest private sector employer in the state of Victoria is Crown Resorts. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and now they've been found to be not fit and proper people to hold a casino licence, which... Is awkward. <laughs> it's awkward. It is. There's no way around that. Uh, uh, is Tasmania any worse than anywhere else, or is it just simply because it's a smaller place? There really is only this one group, Federal Hotels, where all of the dodginess is concentrated. 
oh, look, I, I don't know. I don't know the situation in other states. I just um, It just doesn't seem to be very much value in overall. You can't see that having pokies is a, is a net positive at all. I mean, it's a, the misery that causes to, to not only the people who are addicted to them but their families is, is boundless. You know, it's, 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 they're vampires, these people. There's no polite way of saying it. And the, mm. the fact that we're going to sell it even cheaper, you know, and there's, there's a nod and a wink to, um, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll mitigate the, the problems. They won't. They, they prey on these people. There's, you know, yeah, they, you're just having a little sign up saying, yeah, don't chase your losses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, because yeah. like, no, yeah. no one will do that. Oh, okay. Okay. I've just lost my fucking pay packet. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I won't chase my losses. All right, then. I'll go home. Now, look, I, I came from a family that, that you know, had a, an addicted gambler. My father was a. Okay. And uh, we, mum, she sold the house for him once. And then she oh. sold the second house for him, and then she gave him the um, her inheritance from her dad to pay for his losses again. And you know he was a he was a clever bloke, and he got sucked in by it. So I said, actually, we want to. There's nothing you can do about it. And what, they'll they'll suck as much money out as they can. And so I'm biased, obviously, but I've seen it. It's not pretty. Yeah, but this is this is like someone who's got skin in the game. Whereas I come into it, and occasionally I do the whole. I mean, I don't use phrases like nanny state, but I do say things like, look, people are making their own decisions. <laughs> yeah, they're making, um, them. they're making them for... for and they're the making really the bad decisions. Oh, yeah. And, and then I come back to... Um, back in the time of the first dot-com boom, I happened to do a lot of research into uh, gaming and, and, and what, what are called trade promotions. So, you know, when it's like put a coupon in from your receipt at the shop and you might win that's called a trade promotion <laughs> and it's it's regulated in different um states so we were looking at that with the idea of well if you wanted to set up the equivalent of a trade promotion online so it conformed to all the regulations that sounds like a thing a business should be able to do for you so you don't have to deal with all the paperwork and and shit like that so you know put in your entry and you'll win a new car or a computer or a holiday or whatever and that was an interesting thing to explore uh but uh, it didn't happen because like all fucking startups you know we people dream of being a billionaire but the reality is only one in ten thousand or a hundred thousand startups ever gets anywhere near that but i did learn about pokies and licensing because it all comes under the same laws and yes um it's someone like uh, Aristocrats, one of the game machine manufacturers, and there's a couple of others. The team that designs each pokey machine consists of three people. One of them is the mathematician to make sure that they've actually got all that stuff right and compliance, and the other two are psychologists. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really is absolutely like the filtered cigarettes and can we time the arrival of this hit of nicotine so that after you have that first suck on your freshly lit cigarette, the dopamine hit uh, is at exactly the right spot. Yeah, they're like, they're like the cigarette companies. They knew quite well what they were doing. They're like Enron. They knew quite well they were destroying the planet. Mm. They decided that it would be someone else's problem down the track. I don't have a lot of time for them, got to say. Don't have a lot of time for these people. They know what they're doing and it's not pretty. I mean, How do things they're... turn out in your family? Oh, yeah, right. We got there in the end. I mean, that's the problem. I was a doctor's son, so everyone expected us to 
you know, me'd have a, a car when I was 18 and, uh, you know, various things. But, it's, you know, you kind of try to keep up appearances. But I still don't know how mum managed to keep us kids uh, keep, keep us going. So, uh, But it was amazing what she did. Keeping up appearances is oh, one hell of a yeah, thing. Not even, that. To ha- not even that. I don't know. It was just like I, I, I used to do the tax for when I was about 14. And there'd just be these $10,000 checks going out to drawings. And I just <laughs> – I still get cold. I still get the shakes when I do when I do my tax return now. Just got to go back to that because uh, yeah, you just see where the money goes. It's horrifying, and there's nothing she could do about it. You know, you can't stop it. You can't talk them out of it, and you can't. You, there's no way to keep you away from the money. That's a problem. It's an absolute addiction, and it's that's the thing about addictions, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, um, I, I forgave Dad when I, I treated it. Started realizing it was an illness and treated it like that. And yeah, but geez, I tell you what. Yeah, it's the people who should know better and wave it through need to have a good long hard look at themselves. And a stories like that that keep hitting me, and I drift away from my whole. Oh, people are just making their decisions. Why should we? Well, they are too. I mean, there yeah, is that. Yeah. People, you know, but uh, it, it, there is a downside. It's a and there's no upside really to poker that I can see. I mean, it just you know, it's just basically, basically people playing on their phones while they're losing money at the same time. Yeah, it it seems to be a joyless thing, and I see that at the pubs I go to, where you know at at about four or five in the afternoon, the staff uh, in that little gap before people who are finishing work come in for their knockoff drinks are getting little you know, fresh cups of chips or nuts or you know whatever to take through to the pl- pokies room. Oh no, no, keep playing. Here, yeah. have a here, have a snack. Yeah, exactly. You know, do you want a coffee? Oh, you're right for a drink? No, no, no. Oh, we'll, we'll bring it to you. What do you What do you want us to get? Yeah, there's a you know, there's a life support. I'll for just the, take your card yeah. and I'll go back. I'll get you another beer. Yeah, life support for the pokies, not for the people. It's uh, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's the job. Yeah. I just it, look, you know, you could say the same thing about alcohol. I mean, it causes massive problems. But I mean, there is an upside to alcohol. It's a social lubricant if used properly. I mean, there's no Indeed. there's no way Indeed. there's no way of using a poker machine properly that in any way adds to the, the good of the world. On oh, money laundering. Well, of course, all right. I take it back. <laughs> Obviously, now I've got. You know, now I'm. Now I'm. A Where the fuck else are you going to? You know, yeah, yeah. clean up the notes from your drug dealing and and oh, get. I thought it was multi-story car pressure. parks or something. That's the other way, doesn't it? Uh, I, I could be wrong. I mean, there are ways, but but I'm reliably informed right. um, that, that what you do is you take all the the cash you've got from selling your drugs. And and you don't do it yourself. You get some fucking street kid to go through, and you know, yeah, you got about a dozen of them, and they go to a twelve different pubs and launder a few grand through each one. Huh. I just clock it up the machine, and you play for a little while, and then they go, "Oh, I've won! Can I cash out this machine in a <laughs> in a check?" I, I, well, actually, you don't need a check as long as it's under three grand yeah. uh, in each withdrawal. And it's just cash, and off you go. Cha-ching! Oh, there you go. Well, look, that's creating jobs, isn't yeah. it? So I take it all back. Well, it is. Yeah. Well, well, it is. Um, I'm not going to explain why I know that. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. And now a story from Victoria uh, involving a bloke named Bob Thatcher. I was uh, over the other side of Lake Wellington. Weather was good. The, river, the uh, lake was calm. Uh, and I was thoroughly enjoying myself, but uh, I'd thrown my lines in the water to, to try and catch a fish. And uh, when I was going to sit down on my seat, 
uh, looked on the floor and there was something there that shouldn't have been there and it turned out to be the tiger snake and it was only about 30 centimetres from my feet. So um, <laughs> that set the heartbeat going a little bit. But I'd better not move. I was just stood there for two or three minutes while it looked at me and uh, and it's flicking its tongue and eventually it decided that it would backpedal and go over to the left-hand side of the boat. Uh, so, yeah... Um uh, Bob Thatcher encountered a tiger snake on his boat. Uh, what do you? Th- uh, that's that is almost a quintessential Australian story. <laughs> what we just listened to, isn't it? There's only one tiger snake. Well, and and thirty centimeters long, is it? Yeah. It's a baby. Oh, it's, uh, it must have been a mainland tiger snake. I don't think they, they don't even they're not even that that big with their babies. They're like at least a meter long. There's a couple of things that 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 amuse me about this. One is that this is one of those classic stories that you tell people about hashtag Australia, right? Yeah. You know, there you are minding your own business, doing a bit of fishing, a fucking tiger snake in the boat. So what do you do? Oh yeah, it's just there. So I look at it. It looks at me. <laughs> it wanders. Back. What do you think of snakes? You good with snakes? I don't mind snakes. I don't have a problem with snakes. <sighs> Well, you can't. Oh, just, no, like I said, they're terrible play. You get rains of snakes in Tasmania. Like, uh, yeah, that's right. You see a that's snake right. in Tasmania, is it it's snake, snake raining season it's, yet? Yeah, it's nearly. No, no, it's, it's nearly snake raining season. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's drop snake season at the moment. They can't. <laughs> they, they pretend to be a leaf. Right. <laughs> I, I do enjoy the fact that, that, that you and First Dog are trying to you know persuade people not to come to Tasmania. We're not persuaded. We are just merely informing people about the dangers. It's like it's a true story. I took my kids for a bike when I, when they were like four and six respectively. I thought I'll be a good parent mm-hmm. and I'll take my lovely kids for a ride around Risenbrook Dam, which is like about a five k ride. It's pretty flat on okay. gravel, and you know the sun was out for so the one day of the year. And um, my lovely wife. Said, when I was in Hobart, it was it was sunny four days on a fucking ride. Yeah, that sounds like a lie. Um, but anyway, the sun was out, like I said, for the one day of the year, and it, my wife said, look look out for snakes. And I said, oh, I'll be fine. And, like, seriously, 100 metres into this ride, my son's sort of tank flying off ahead, huge cloud of dust, does this massive spin, comes back, says, snake! There's, a, there's about a metre-long snake on the path. And so I kind of go up to it and oh, okay. I, I, I tried to shoo it off <laughs> from a distance, and it didn't. It ignored me for a while, then it thought it'd go. So it took off, and I thought, oh, that'll be our snake for the trip. So we went in. Seriously, another kilometre around the track. It's another bloody tiger snake. And the kid nearly the kid nearly ran over it and then sort of came back and said, I nearly ran over the tiger snake. There it is. And I was like, yes. And then I thought, well, that's it. That's I'll, I'll go first now. And then I nearly ran over another tiger snake about two kilometres further around. <laughs> <laughs> and I got back and uh, – And for, for- – Maggie, Maggie said, how was the ride? And I said, we saw three snakes and she laughed. She thought I was joking. We were not. The kids said there was – It was the kids confirmed. You know, we weren't allowed to go for a ride for quite a while after that. I, I, and for those of you outside Australia, I will say a tiger snake will fuck you up very badly. Yeah, they, were, they weren't copperheads They were because they, they look cranky. A copperhead would go – that's the other one that will bite you in Tassie. But, um, mm. yeah, the, the tiger snakes, they, they definitely look cross. Yeah, you don't want to – uh, a cross snake there. Back to um, uh, back to Bob Thatcher's uh, tiger snake. He's thirty centimeter one. Yeah, God. Yeah, the thirty centimeter one. Um, I wanted to ask about this because Mick Fong, again, a wonderful uh, supporter of the pod and a mad person in uh, Broome. Uh, well, well, look, I, I better introduce this by by saying first uh, what what happened uh, to uh, to Bob Thatcher's snake. 
so it started sliding around in the in amongst the tackle that I had and and uh, I thought well I was only a hundred yards off the shore and I thought well there's no sense getting onto the shore I've still got to get uh, back on the boat to get back to the ramp and the stake was stake was still in the uh, in the boat so I thought well the only thing to do was try and lift up the anchor and uh, start motoring back across to the boat ramp so. Uh, so yeah, ignore the the mental image of a snake sliding around in your tackle. Yeah, I just think that's that yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll that's, just that's a bit much. Let that go past. Steady on. What Bob. I like is here's yeah here's Bob. He's only a hundred meters from the shore of Lake Wellington over there, but he goes no no no. I'll, I'll go all the <laughs> eleven kilometers back to the boat ramp, even though there's a tiger snake in his boat. Um. Now, here's where I admit I fucked this up because I thought he said because the steak was still in the boat and I thought he had some steak to have for dinner later oh, and that's why he wasn't, you know, just tying the boat up there and calling his brother or whatever and come and pick me up. So this kind of ruins this whole whole bit. Yeah. Uh, but the question remains for you, John Kadelka, steak or snake, if you had the choice between abandoning the, the steak for your dinner that was in your boat or getting back in the boat with the snake to potter 11 kilometres back across Lake Wellington to the boat ramp? Look, my first question would be, what type of steak are we talking here? Oh, it's a a tiger steak. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Which I misheard. I mean, I'd been fishing, and if I hadn't caught any fish, obviously, Mm -hmm. and it was like maybe a really juicy T-bone, I'd, I'd probably T-bone. You get more. Oh, I love a T-bone. I'd, when you when you've been doing exercise, you've been out. You want a T-bone, a really big right. one. That's because they they cook well. They they juicy. They're good. They're a great steak. They're underrated as a steak. The T-bone. It's a very much very Tasmanian steak. Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe because it, it's Maybe. a it's a thing. You get it. You can get a lot of T-bone in Tasmania. It's just people go and whenever you buy a T-bone from the butcher, they kind of give you a wink and they go, "Yeah, this is a good one, mate. I'll give you give you a thick one." And you don't know other steak. You, you don't. <laughs> I know. No, I'm just saying. That's what comes from the bush. You'd look. They're going to all say that, right? It's no, like they, it's like no. in a restaurant. Oh, you know, whatever you order, oh, it's an excellent choice. No, no, because I've I've ordered I've ordered Scotch fillet, and I've ordered I've ordered uh-huh. porterhouse, and I never get that reaction. Always a T-bone. It's like T-bone. They go, yeah, you. They go, you know your steaks, mate. And it'll be. I'll get you a good one. It's a true story. Oh, you try it. You try it. You, you order. You go one All time. Right. You order order something a namby pamby steak, like mm-hmm. a, not a you know, and a New York ribeye yeah, or something some like that. Bullshit like and, that at yeah, forty five dollars a yeah, kilo. Yeah, they'll go here. You go, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's that's five thousand dollars. You pay your money. You go. You, then you go get me a T bone. Get me a big juicy T bone. Cut me one, and you watch what happens. You'll be that. He'll be his best mate. If you've ever been to Vietnam and you sit down at one of they've got these little beer hoys, which is like a bar where you can get you sit on these tiny little stools on the side of the road and get beer, and they're they're incredibly civilized. And when you when they say do you want some chicken, and you say yes, and then the, there's this terrible squawking. Oh, <laughs> it really is. And then ten minutes later, you have the, this the freshest chicken you could possibly eat, and it is um, you know, you feel bad about it, but my god, it's uh, delicious. Um, I have only been to Vietnam for a very short period of time, um, but the the equivalent civilized thing uh, I encountered on the the streets of Ho Chi Minh City. And, and just as a side, uh, some of the younger people I was talking to there said, "Now it's only old people who care about calling it Ho Chi Minh City, not 
Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's just old people here on about the war. Yeah. <laughs> that old but, thing. Yeah. That old thing. But there was a lovely bloke old bloke there who had just the side of the strip and had his coffee pot going and you could you'd organise coffee and he had a couple of milk crates around to sit on. But he'd Irish up the coffee. He had about like six different whiskies <laughs> that he'd put in your coffee and it was the equivalent, I think it was about six or eight bucks Australian to have like your Irish coffee at seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, it was extremely civilised. That's the way to kick off a day. Uh, uh, it was. A little spot under a tree, uh. sit there. In a, annoyingly, I only discovered him. Um, when I was on my way to do something else and couldn't hang around, and oh, that'd be and, that'd be my yeah. daily thing after that. Yeah, definitely, I'd just stay forever. Uh, so you're so you're okay with snakes? Yeah. Um, Mick Fong says he 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 actually the whole steak or steak s t a k e thing. I, now I don't know what he was on about. He didn't even know about about Bob and his fucking boat oh. or snake. Uh he said, no, 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 um, what he was saying is that uh, he was cooking a steak on the barbecue and fixing up the steak, S-T-A-K-E-S, for the dragon fruit cacti when he thought of it. And look, lovely that you're staking up your, your garden and you're cooking a steak, uh, although we did say we found a little moon snake under the barbecue one night, so... Yeah. They kill you? I don't a moon snake? It doesn't sound yeah, like sounds something that kill you, does it? Yeah. Uh, what's the most dangerous thing you've done? Uh, uh, I used to, you know, when you, you you do uni and all your friends go, oh, probably you don't know, but in Tasmania, everyone like who everyone who goes to uni just leaves the state immediately afterwards. They just go because oh, yeah. there's no jobs, obviously. Well, they used to be mm. back in the day. And I had a job. I, I was being a cartoonist. So everyone left. So I just would just go walking in the southwest of Tasmania on my own, which was just the stupidest thing anyone could possibly ever do, and I, I shuddered around. in the in the forests and yeah, you know, I just go just do like a three day walk to Frenchman's no. Cap and back on my own. And if I broke no, my ankle, no, no, don't go hiking in remote areas That's, by yourself. This is a yeah, I know, it's, I, I wouldn't even. I'd just like I'd just take a raincoat and shorts and a t shirt, and I'd get on some food. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I. I did the walk. I, I, I admire. I, I admire your sense of adventure, but no, fuck no. Don't no, do I never. That. I remember. I never told Mum because she would have absolutely killed me. But I, like, I was one time. I showed, I was about. I would have been about twenty three, and I was. I went to the walls of Jerusalem, and it was raining, and I just decided to do a bit of free climbing, and I was. I was hanging by one arm. Oh I was about ten meters off the ground. I was hanging by one arm, and it was wet and raining, and I was looking down. I thought, you know, I could very easily die here, and at that moment, yes. yes so the, I think I was, I was. That was my age when I finally discovered mortality. I just froze for about ten minutes. I, mean, I genuinely oh, had to man. absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I don't think I did it again after that. Matt, I, I mean, yes, I, I, I mean the Blue Mountains in in New South Wales, and like every fucking winter, there's people who go out hiking in the whatever, and like, do you people know that there's like nothing for a couple of hundred kilometers up and down the mountains, um, except cliffs and rocks <laughs> and scrubland and there's a reason the cops like like please just go to your local like go to a police station before you go they will hand you a satellite emergency <laughs> beacon and just tell them where you think you're go- like I'd, I'd always write i'd always write down exactly where i was going in the little tracks so you could you know, do all that sort of very conscientiously 
But um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's intensely stupid. It was intensely stupid, and I would never recommend anyone ever do that ever. <laughs> no, but it was do that was that was, do not do yeah, that. Yeah, it was easily just yeah. That was probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done. Though one, no, there was one time in in chemistry actually in the lab when I um I I, oh, here we go. I, I thought oh I think I smell gas. I think I, I thought I thought geez I reckon I reckon my um my you know where you stick the bun but I think it's leaking and I I lit my lighter on and just as I was flicking it and just as I was thinking oh my god what do I do I just went vump and I lost my eyebrows and my, you know, my fringe and there was this terrible sort of burnt hair and I you know where my safety glasses where was the only bit of my face that wasn't burnt and nobody saw it thank Christ but um yeah I just I just left I just went out and bathed my face in the water for about. Fifteen minutes and uh, and went to the pub because oh my god I just you know I don't know I was really tired because that's the thing when you're doing science you actually have to turn up yeah and I you know you go at the piss all night then you you turn up and you no no state to do a lab but that was it that was just stupid yes so I've I've done many stupid things but nothing much stupider than that don't check if there's a gas leak by lighting by using a naked flame (laughs) (laughs) I mean. To be fair, it does tell you whether there's a gas leak. <laughs> there was very efficiently. Yeah, and look, it was. I was first year, so maybe we hadn't done that yet. Um, what? What? Not? Yeah, not no, like gases, naked flames yeah. around suspected gas leaks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, you need a university education to know that sort yeah, of thing. Clearly, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that that was another. That, probably the 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 bushwalking was still more dangerous, but that was just stupid. So there you go. So I can't. Go. I've got no high moral ground with anything ever. Now. Okay. I can't. No, I can't beat that. I'm just going to ask you one final question because we've been chatting here for quite a while. What do you think of magpies? I quite like them. They're, mm-hmm. they're I prefer black carawags. Oh, oh. I mean, we're we're in uh, pied carawong territory in in New South Wales. Oh, the pied carawong is a good bird, but the black carawong is is the king of the black kind of sort of. Harbinger of doom, bird. They're 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 very intelligent, and they mm-hmm. they never forget you, and they won't swoop mm-hmm. you. But they, they magpies in Tasmania don't swoop. That's a true story. They just don't do it. Oh really? No, you won't be swooped by okay. a magpie in Tasmania. Nobody's. I don't. I think somebody probably does know why, but I've never found out why. Find that one out when you find uh, the other thing out. I'll find. find yeah, I'm, I'm just making it. Get that sort now. of swooping magpies. You're like Doctor. I've actually just I've actually just done a squiggle on the paper <laughs> and. It's going to be one of those things where tomorrow I'll go, what the fuck is that? Magpies. What is, you know, uh, I mean, as you may have seen on the Twitters, I am slowly gathering a a magnificent magpie army Mm. up here at Wentworth Falls, um, who I I will say, uh, much as they're lovely, when I step outside the door in the morning and they're around and they assume, oh, there's food, to have like six or seven magpies fluttering around your head like at extremely close range, demanding food and fighting each other for position. I just go, huh, I, I just. Well, the magpie is it's not the symbol of the Collingwood Football Club by accident, you know. So <laughs> no, that's the thing. Although I do really love, I do really love the currawongs. Um, uh, when I was living uh, in in Enmore, there was there was like this vast family of currawongs lived at a tree out the back, and they'd. They'd sussed out 
exactly how long it took the cats to wake up from sleep if disturbed. <laughs> and they could actually walk into the house and steal their food Brilliant. and still have time for a runoff before <laughs> the cats woke up. Yeah, it was like I did the I did the um, a resident, arts residency at Cradle Mountain about three or four years ago and the, there was one oh, yeah. there was a Karawong I called Percy who was like the concierge at the residency. And he you know, he just he'd sort of hop around and, you know, come in and eat your food and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I was you know, I actually opened the fridge, he kinda of hopped up next to me and was looking at the fridge for what he would have <laughs> he's right next to me, he's sort of looking up at me and saying, What are you getting me? And I, I booted him out and I had my expensive electric bike from the whiskey tour, which I'd taken a ride oh, yes. right around. And I, it was sitting outside, and um, old mate Percy hopped up on the on the seat, looked me right in the eye, and then went bang with his beak and put a great big hole in the seat. And <laughs> it was the most obvious piece of revenge I've ever seen. He went, "Don't do that again, mate." And I didn't. I was, it was, but I thought, damn, those birds are incredible. I did about most of my residency was spent sketching Percy. Actually, out of it. Look, I don't blame you. I mean, I. I uh, it was a nice day a couple of days ago, so I just left the door open. I'm working away at my desk. And I turn around and there's like six fucking magpies rummaging in the kitchen. Because, <laughs> I mean, again, to quote First Dog, why fly when you can walk, which is the kind of magpie tradition. <laughs> so they're just walking around the kitchen. I will admit, because I'd spilled some other things down there, they're pecking up crap from the floor. And I go, well, Say's cleaning that up. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, there's magpies actually. wandering around. It's like, do you, do you mind... Do you lot mind going outside? I'll find some stuff for you. They're lovely. <laughs> we should stop now. Yeah, yeah, it's enough of us. Or me anyway. Yeah. I'm, Thanks, mate. It's been forever. fun. No, it's been good, actually. Surprisingly so. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Right. Um couple of uh, notes before we finish. That was quite a rambling conversation then with uh, John Cadelka, wasn't it? Uh, that'd be my fault. I was in a very rambly sort of mood earlier in the week. Uh, two things to check up on. One is nointa. It is indeed a Tasmanian word, and uh, it does mean a spoiled or difficult child, one who's particularly brattish, and it appears to come from uh, the word anointa. A-N-O-A-N-T-E-R, a mischievous fellow, and uh, that relates to the obsolete verb anoint, meaning not to you know anoint with lotions and whatever, but to chastise or thrash. In other words, to consecrate by beating. Uh, this is according to a blog post at the Macquarie Dictionary blog, uh, and they said, yes, very much a Tasmanian thing, and uh, it's also pronounced ninta and ninta, uh, but uh, all the contributors said they heard nointer when they were growing up. So, uh, right, if your if your precious little child needs anointing, then they're a bit of a nointer. Uh, on the other question, uh, magpies. Uh, yes, there is indeed uh, an ABC uh, Hobart story from uh, a couple of years ago, headlined. Tasmanian magpies don't swoop, but no one knows why. Uh, Links on the podcast website. Uh, Speculation is that magpies in Tasmania don't have to deal with as many other urban environments, so they're a a little more chill, apparently. That's a technical term, obviously. 
So we don't know about the magpies. That's all the edict for now. I would love you to go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip and chuck in a couple of bucks. Please do that right now. Uh, The next episode will be mid-May with uh, JB, author John Birmingham. If you have input into that, get it to me by the 17th. Until then, I'm Stilgarian. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.